Hello, and welcome to the Legacy Academy. I'm your host, Justin Grice, the COO of LCO Law, and with me is attorney Natalia Ouellette Grice, the owner of LCO Law and published author of two amazing books on real estate investing. And you can find both of those on Amazon by clicking the link in the description. Now, our topic today is earnest money and its significance in real estate contracts. Now, as a crucial part of any real estate transaction, earnest money can be confusing and overwhelming for many people. Therefore, Natalia wants to share her expertise and provide insights on the importance of earnest money in real estate contracts, its legal requirements, and how it impacts home buying and the selling process. So let's dive into earnest money. And before we start, when I think about dive into earnest money, my first thought is Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I'm diving into that big pile of gold he has. I remember that cartoon. Oh, that was great. <laughs> All right. So back on topic, Natalia, what is an earnest money and what is its uh, what is its purpose? So earnest money is essentially the good faith part of a contract for real estate purchase. Um, it is what tells the other party that you really do mean to enter into this transaction. And it's part of the concept in a contract of offer, acceptance, and consideration. Okay. All right. And is this a requirement for all real estate contracts? I would say if you were to go about it intelligently, yes, for sale and purchase contracts. So it's not a requirement for uh, necessarily for leases. It's not a requirement for options. Uh, but it is certainly something that I would very, very strongly encourage for sale and purchase transactions. People often mistake the purchase price as the consideration in a contract, but I think of it more as performance, right? The exchange, because in a contract, one is giving money, the other one is giving something else. Sure. Both of those are performance on the contract. Consideration is more about what is really showing that this is something being entered into in good faith rather than some illusory promise of, yeah, we'll do this at some point. Yeah, we'll totally pay you. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> so one one thing that I see all the time, especially people who call into our office, is like wholesalers, mm -hmm. you know, and they're, they're always talking about, oh, I want to get into wholesaling because I don't have to use any of my own money. But you usually put the brakes on that pretty quick, right. right, with the earnest money, because that's still a real estate contract, mm -hmm. you know, and they still have to be able to pay for, for that consideration. Yes, I mean, uh, you're going into uh, an agreement to buy the property of somebody else and agreeing to pay all this money for it, you should absolutely expect to put some money down as an earnest money deposit to show that you are in the transaction in good faith. Okay, so how much should a buyer typically expect to pay for an um, earnest money deposit. So, I mean, it's got to be something that's more than nominal. Uh, 1% of the contract price is generally good. I know nowadays we have very, very high prices that things are going for. So if you're talking about like a $300,000 house, you're like thinking, oh my God, three grand. But somewhere around at least $1,000 is a showing of good faith for the purposes of buying real estate in the state of Florida. Yeah. And can this amount be negotiated at all? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all negotiable, right? Um, the price, the terms, when you're going to close, all those things are negotiable. But just remember, it, put something down more than nominal, right? Because a nominal amount, a couple hundred dollars, doesn't really show that you have a good faith intention of completing and following through on the contract. And, you know, it's arguable for a seller to potentially accept better offers if all you put down is something nominal. Sure. Okay. 
Uh, and so when when a buyer is uh, putting down their earnest money deposit, who holds that? I mean, do they just hand it over to the buyer? Like, here you go. Yeah. This is my good faith. Oh, handing it over to the seller? Yeah. Um, I would say never make that mistake. <laughs> never make that mistake. <laughs> Don't give your money directly to the seller or to the seller's agent or even to your agent. Okay. There's a reason why title companies are involved. Title companies are a neutral third party. They have trust accounts that are designed specifically for this. That's who you should be giving the earnest money to. Okay. All right. So it's like an escrow account? Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. So what happens to the earnest money deposit if the transaction falls through? So if your transaction uh, falls through, it depends, right? Because it's all about who first breached or violated or defaulted on the contract. So those are all different ways of saying the same thing. But if the seller breached, meaning if the seller failed to perform something in the contract, then the buyer is generally the one entitled to the uh, earnest money deposit. If the first one to breach to violate the agreements of the contract is actually the buyer, then the seller would more likely than not be entitled to the earnest money deposit. The, the caveat here is that um, generally title companies, right, they want to keep their title insurance underwriters happy. And even if it is super clear that party A breached, they want to have a signed form by party A and party B to release those funds to the correct party. Uh, they won't just say, oh, yeah, you know, and make the legal determination as to who made the mistake. <laughs> they won't usually release the funds that way because they don't want their underwriter to be upset with them. Um, most real estate contracts, that's why they have a built-in clause saying that the title companies can interplead the funds to the county, meaning they're going to take the earnest money deposit, they're going to charge a little bit for their own attorney's fees for having to file the interpleader action, and then the little balance is what the other two parties can fight over. So it's always better, if you can, to at least enter an agreement as to what happens with that earnest money deposit, because interpleader can certainly consume all of the earnest money deposit. Right. Okay, so typically, the not not typically, but always, the buyer is the person who's putting down that earnest money, right? Right, exactly. What if it's the seller who breaches? They didn't put that earnest money in, so their contract is signed. They put down their deposit. The seller says, "Ma'am, I've changed my mind. I don't want to sell this property." What recourse does the buyer have because the seller didn't really have any skin in the game? It depends. It depends on the contract, right? If you have a very poorly drafted contract that doesn't really say what the remedies are for the buyer, the, the remedy at law might only be specific performance, forcing the seller to do what they were supposed to do by filing a lawsuit. Not so fun and pretty expensive. And if you didn't put in your contract that you are entitled to attorney's fees if you win, you got to be out of pocket on that too. So it's all about what is actually written in your contracts as the available remedies for either side failing to follow through on their promises. Okay. So how would an attorney assist in protecting the buyer's interest with an earnest money deposit? So first and foremost, if you are entering into a real estate transaction before you sign anything, have a real estate attorney review that contract for you. It is a worthwhile investment because, you know, spending a few thousand dollars on review versus spending a hundred thousand dollars in litigation fees. And that's just the average people. Wow. <laughs> it's literally an average of a hundred thousand. That is the median amount of attorney's fees for real estate litigations in the state of Florida nowadays. So, 
rather than have to spend all of that money, it is better to invest beforehand before you're stuck in a deal in a bad deal by having an attorney advise you on whether it's good, missing clauses, because remember, all of that is negotiable before you sign on the dotted line. Excellent. Excellent. So does the earnest money deposit that the buyer puts down, does that go toward the purchase price or is that you know, separate? It definitely goes toward the purchase price. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, how does financing affect who uh, who gets the earnest money deposit? How does financing just affect earnest money in general? So generally, financing is a contingency in the contract. So it says, you know, I'm entering into this contract, but I need to be able to qualify for X, Y, and Z financing, uh, you know, this type of a loan uh, for this much money, you know, either 10%, 20%, 5 whatever it is, right? And there's a loan approval period that's built into the real estate contracts promulgated by the Florida Bar and the Florida Association of Realtors. This financing contingency affects the earnest money deposit because if you, as a buyer, don't get approved during that loan approval period and you give timely notice to the seller, you can get your money back, your earnest money deposit back. However, if you fail to give timely notice to the other side about your failure to get loan approval, you're still stuck with that contract and you don't get to keep your earnest money deposit. All right. Mm -hmm. So investors... Make sure that you give notice in a proper amount of time. Follow the contract. Yes, especially if you have any sort of financing contingencies, because even hard money uh, lending is a financing contingency, and you should build that in if you don't want to get stuck being deemed a cash buyer. Sure. Uh, And that was actually going to be my next question. Is this earnest money deposit required in a cash sale? So earnest money deposit is technically not required for real estate contracts. It's just an incredibly poor idea not to have earnest money deposit as a requirement and material term in your contract. But um, if you buy, if you, I mean, if you use a regular standard purchase contract, it's going to be a requirement there, whether it's cash or finance-based deal. Okay. All right. Now, are there any circumstances where a buyer can pull out of a transaction without uh, forfeiting that earnest money deposit? So, yeah, I mean, uh, I've already talked about one of the contingencies that can help a buyer um, get back their deposit if it doesn't happen, right? The financing one, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Another type of contingency that's very common is contingencies on the buyer's house selling. So if like I need, I want to buy a house, but my house needs to sell first, that can be a contingency uh, in which you can say, if it doesn't sell within this time period, then I can get my money back. <laughs> um, there's other things, right? Like what if the seller uh, hasn't performed on their end? It, the seller's required to give you clear title, meaning they have to make sure that like payoffs are properly secured, um, any liens, encumbrances, violations, if it's an HOA type of a property, they sure. have to be cured. And if the seller doesn't wanna do any of that, the seller's breaching their part, and you are therefore, as a buyer, entitled to, you know, get the contract canceled and get your earnest money deposit back. But you have to give proper notice for all of these things to happen. And, and that's why in real estate contracts, time is of the essence. So a buyer has an inspection period, mm-hmm. correct, when, when they're purchasing a property. Yep. What if they are going about their inspection and they uncover a bunch of deficiencies in the property, whether it be the structure, where it be the, is that something that's going to be in the contract? Like, 
hey, if it doesn't perform as far as the inspection, mm-hmm. if it doesn't pass an inspection, if there's X amount of issues or, uh, you know, a monetary value. Right. Is that something that they could use to get their earnest money deposit back? Yes, so long as they have an inspection contingency and time period and give timely notice within that inspection period. So, um, you know, I see a lot of wholesalers who put like an inspection period of nothing. That means you've just gotten rid of one of the most powerful ways in which you can get your money back and get out of a contract. So um, have an inspection clause in your contract. Right. So does the Florida bar... The, the standard Florida bar contract already come with that in there? Yes. And um, the default is 15 days if you don't pick a time period. Okay. So, so it actually kind of like has a default time period for you. Okay. Uh, so I guess you've already really answered my next question about can an earnest money deposit be waived? So since it's not really a requirement, we'll just reiterate, it's stupid Mm-hmm. Not to have one in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it technically can be waived. It technically can be waived, right? Um, it The value in having an earnest money deposit there is because it makes the, like, it creates a deadline for putting down the earnest money deposit. And if it's well written, it'll say, hey, if this other side doesn't put an earnest money deposit down, this offer is null and void. I can go and accept you know, a better offer from Jimmy Smith or Jeffrey or whomever, right? So it's better to have it there because now it becomes a material term to your agreement. Material breaches are the ones that we can sue on, get remedies on. Um, you never wanna leave your contract to a very bland and poorly written one without an earnest money deposit where the a court would have to determine, is there a meeting of the minds on all of the essential terms of the contract? You don't wanna have to do that to yourself. So yes, it can be waived, but it would be very foolish to <laughs> waive that in your contract. Don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> have an earnest money deposit. Exactly. All right. So finally, Natalia, what are three things that an investor should take into consideration with their earnest money deposits? Okay. So number one, ask yourself, do you want to be stuck litigating? <laughs> because <Right. laughs> it is so much easier to just have that in place. Have an earnest money deposit clause in place. Have contingencies clearly spelling out how you could get your earnest money deposit back, including inspections, as you said, financing contingencies, and all of the other things such as like, I've got to sell this asset before I can close. Um, Number two, always give that earnest money deposit to the title company, never give it directly to the seller, to the seller's agent, or to your own agent. You just don't want to uh, give it to the wrong people. And number three, calendar all of your deadlines under the contract and i may recommend because some people are not the best at reading when a deadline is triggered have it be so that two days before the actual expiration period that's when the deadline is in your mind and in your calendar so that you actually have enough time to send out notice and for them to receive the notice. right right mm-hmm. you're giving yourself that little cushion yes because notice generally has to be in writing yeah and now so does notice Is that by the postmark date or is that when they have it in hand? So um, generally, and this is like an argued thing, it depends on what part of the state you're in. Oh, goodness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Because we're based on case law and common law, right? Sure. So for the most part, it is uh, when notice is received by the other party. 
Uh, if things are mailed out, they're generally deemed received by the fifth day. So you have to mail notices in sufficient advance, right? Nowadays, email is considered sufficient. Uh, I would say if you have the ability to get read receipts, do that. Mm -hmm. That way you have proof that it was received, Open, you right. know, uh, you know, received within the same time period, the same day, so that you shorten those time periods for you to give notice. Um, but you don't ever want to have to rely on the good old mailing system for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So just to uh, summarize here, the three things that you really need to consider are, do you want to go through litigation? Mm -hmm. The answer is always no. <laughs> All right. Number two. Always give it to the title company. Yes. Give your earnest money to the title company. Uh, and lastly, calendar your deadlines and mm -hmm. make sure you give yourself enough cushion so you don't have to litigate. That's right.